If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. In today's episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, I'm talking to Bob Bethel. Bob is a business maestro who has initiated and orchestrated over 77 business turnarounds in the past 50 years. He's worked with many large and small companies and has discovered that it really isn't rocket science to run a profitable business. By simply applying common sense and discipline, any business can be profitable even in a recession. Bob learned the hard way and used those lessons to help companies that he supported in the past few decades to survive and thrive difficult economic environments. He's a private investor and owns several thriving businesses across the southern United States. He recently published a book titled Strengthening Your Business, which, ha- which is a first-hand account of his business adventure and lessons learned over his long and illustrious career. I'm pleased to have Bob on the show to teach us a little bit about how to strengthen our businesses. So with that said, Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate that introduction. I probably should just shut up right now because I don't think it'll get better than what you just said. <laughs> Let, let's see if we can try. <laughs> let's see if we can try. So, Good. Bob, I, I said a lot about you, but tell us a little <clears throat> bit about yourself, how you got started. I know you are an entrepreneur, and you were an entrepreneur, and that's what led you into the business of turning around businesses. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, gee, I I started a business after college. Um, it it did extremely well for a couple of years, and and of course, like most young people, I I thought I had the answer to everything, until we were hit with a recession, mm. and I fought very hard uh, for a couple of years to save my business, but. Ultimately, the business failed, crashed and burned, and I found out about uh, personal guarantees of loans because I lost my house. I had a farm that had been in my family since the uh, American Revolution. I lost that, uh, my cars, everything. And uh, coming out of that, a very wealthy friend of my family in Tennessee contacted me. He had uh, 23 businesses. He had retired and had turned those businesses over to other people, and they simply were not doing a good job. So he came to me and said, I think you have learned some very valuable lessons by failing, and I don't think you will fail again. So I'd like to give you a equity position in my companies and let you make them profitable. Mm. And that's where I started. Uh, 
I have not failed since. I have bought 77 businesses, all of which were in serious financial trouble on the point of failing. And uh, the banks were getting ready to take those over. But the banks in each case knew that they would lose a massive amount of money. Uh, either the collateral wasn't worth what it, they thought it was or whatever the particulars were. Uh, I assume the debt of those companies took them over. And so far, I have returned 77 uh, to profitability. I've never had one fail. And as I said, I've never taken one to bankruptcy court. And those, and, and those, excuse me, yeah. those, those businesses encompass 25 different industries. Okay. So it, it, it really has not mattered what the industry is. Mm. So it's more about the principles of running a good business that makes a business successful as opposed to the industry itself. Because you hear a lot of people today saying, they can only operate in one business or another business and then if you try to take them into another one that they're not used to they tend to freeze up and not know what to do exactly that is exactly right so in your experience Bob why do many businesses fail well you know I, th I think it's a, a variety of things and, and let me give you this illustration uh, let's let's just say that you are a brilliant engineer, that mm -hmm. you have gotten gotten an undergraduate graduate degree, and you have worked for a, a company for a few years, and you suddenly realize that you have a great idea for a piece of equipment or a, a product. Uh, perhaps you even explore uh, getting a patent on that product, and. So you decide you're going to start your own company. Mm -hmm. uh, the very minute that you start that company, you're no longer an engineer. Uh, you declare yourself president. You declare yourself CEO. You don't know a thing about accounting. You don't know a thing about marketing and sales uh, or human resources or uh, financing. Uh, that's available to you. So suddenly you've stepped off a cliff into the unknown. Mm. And, and so you're bogged down from minute one. Now, if in fact you hire someone to do your bookkeeping and help you with finance and other things, and you go off to the engineering department of your company, uh, you're still not in control of your company. Yeah. You're the head of the company. You've got to run it. So I think that's one step. Another step that, that I have seen often, very often as a matter of fact, is someone starting their first business. Uh, they, they operate Chi in, in a bubble. Hmm. Uh, they come up with an idea. They've got maybe some friends that are going to be part of this company and they uh, figure all these things out and then they jump off and start a business. One of the things that I have 
repeatedly done through these years is every single time I buy a new business, even if I have been in that business before, I locate either through trade journals or online the the most successful people in that industry. And what I do, and I suggest this for anyone starting a business, sit down before you spend any money at all, sit down and create a 90-day plan. And you've been to business school. You and I both have seen these Harvard business school plans that are three inches thick. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm, talk, I'm talking about create a plan for 90 days of who is going to do what, to whom, when, and for how much. Then set up a pro forma budget for 90 days. Where the income is coming from, your revenue, what you're going to spend expenses for. Once you have that plan and pro forma budget, then you get you get on the phone and you call, and and I suggest to everyone going into business, identify the top five most successful people in your industry, and start right at the top, and pick up the phone and call that person. You're not going to get them on that first call. Yeah. Tell their tell their secretary I would like for him to give me 5 minutes. I have just bought or started a new business and I'd like 5 minutes of his advice. When when that person calls you back and and let me stop right there. Yeah. In in 52 years I have never not had that call returned, okay? And including the CEO and chairman of some of Fortune 100, not 500, yeah. Fortune 100 companies, including the chairman of the board of Westinghouse Electric, hmm. okay? So anyone that thinks, well, no, they're not going to call me, uh, now, you're not going to get a competitor across the street to give you advice, yeah. but when when I get that person on the phone, mm -hmm. very, very quickly, I say, I wonder if I could come spend 30 minutes with you at your office. Mm -hmm. Again, again, I've never had that request denied. And then I say, and what I'd like to do is send you right now my 90 day plan and my performa budget. And I need you to be harshly critical in looking at that. I need total truth. And as I say, every single time people have done that. And what that does, first of all, that once you get to there, and, and this is the reason I suggest going to meet with them. If you're if you're on the phone with them, they'll give you five ten minutes. Yeah. If you if you ask to come see them, and I've gone all over the country, and uh, matter of fact, all over the world. Okay. On that on that request, and very seldom 
does it end up lasting less than a day? And, And the advice that I have gotten from those people who are successful in my industry has been absolutely unbelievable. And and if a a startup will do that to the top five people in their industry, they're going to step back and one of several things is going to happen. First of all, they may say, gee, you know, based based on this, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to start a business. Yeah. Or or they are going to have some of the best information available from the most successful people in their industry. So I do it religiously. Mm. And and that that needs to be the number one thing. And and first of all, let, let me say this. I don't care how long, I mean, I've been doing this 50 years. I've never come away from one of these meetings that I didn't learn a tremendous yeah. amount that I didn't know because you and I both know, and it's, it's a worldwide thing just in the States. Yeah. Half of all businesses fail. Yep. And a lot of people will tell you, well, they, they don't have the correct cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. No, they, they have formulated their plan in their mind. Uh, and they have not, had it examined in the harsh reality of daylight vis- vis-a-vis other people in that industry. Hmm. But and I-, I, think that's, I think that's the biggest step someone starting, or if you're having trouble profit-wise with your business, I think that's the number one thing that people should do. Yeah. But a lot of people will be afraid to ask because they're scared that a busy CEO, you know, like me just thinking about it, I'm like, man, what can I offer the CEO of a Fortune 100 company that he's going to be willing to give me 30 minutes of his, you know, actual physical time? I know that's what's going to be going through a lot of people listening to this right now in well, my mind. As, as I said, I've never had that call not be returned. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, that brings up, you brought up a very, very good topic. Uh, if you're going to be afraid in business, you don't need to be in business. Uh, business, business is a battle every single day and it needs to be recognized as such. Mm. You know, I, I attribute my first business failing, uh, to being afraid uh, not, not wanting to fight, uh, you're, you're fighting prices, you're fighting regulations, mm-hmm. uh, you're fighting employee problems. Uh, and, and anyone who thinks I'm going to quit this job that I have, that's eight to five and I'm not getting anywhere. And I'm going to go in business because I'll be the boss. I won't have to work as hard. It'll be kind in general. Uh, they're in for a horrible shock. Wow. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just wrote that quote down. Business is a battle because it is a battle. Yes, it is a battle. It is. And, and the book strengthen your business. I consider it this now. Now think about this for a minute. We've taken over 77 businesses over a 52 year period of time. 
All of them were broke. I never have brought new money in, in the beginning, and I have never brought new people in. And, and it, it comes from this line of thinking because I felt it. I hid the truth from my employees yeah. and, and my family and my friends. I was going it alone as I failed, okay? Mm-hmm. Most, biz, most single owner business owners think they own the company. They don't. And it is the biggest point of the success that we have enjoyed over a 52-year period of time. You see, if, if you are one of my employees, you're, you're not an employee, you're an owner. And here's why you're an owner. Yeah, my name may be on the loan, but your paycheck pays you a mortgage or, or rent. It mm-hmm. feeds your family. Mm-hmm. It makes your car payment. You are vested in that company. Yeah. But owners hide financial information from their employees. You know, it would be no different than if I said to you right now, meet me in the morning in Times Square in New York. You and I are going to take a trip. Yeah. And I hung up the, and I hung up the phone. You'd be sitting there wondering, where are we going? How long are we going to be gone? Yeah. How are we going to get there? What are we going to do when we get there? What do I tell my family? Well, that is exactly the way all of these businesses that I've gone into. First thing that I ask the owners is, do the employees know the condition of the company? Every single time the answer has been not no, but Hell no. If they knew the condition of the company, they'd be be out. Yeah, they'd be. Well, here's the thing. In over 10,000 people in 52 years, I've never had anybody leave when I sat down. And it's the thing that I do on day one. I tell them the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, I've never had anyone leave. But all of a sudden, look what I have. I have a team that is vested in that. They don't want to go out and look for a new job. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden, they're all on board with me, and I don't make that 90-day plan. They do. I have, I have said over all of these years to banks when they say, how did you do it? My answer is, I didn't. We did it. This I will take about 5% of the credit. It's the team that was there when I got there. And so what we do is, knowing that 50% of the businesses fail, is they create a 90-day plan of how we're going to make profit. And I say that word every single day. Too many people go in business and go, well, we're going to design this and we're going to build this and we're going to go here and there and so on. But they are not teaching their employees, we got to make a profit. If you're not making a profit, you're on a glide slope with the earth. So go ahead. Now, it seems to me that, though, it's, um, it's almost common sense that a company would be launched to make a profit, you understand? 
Yes. So, 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 so where is the disconnect when they're operating well, and they don't make profit and they don't consciously focus on that? Well, it's a great question, and, <laughs> and I've tried to answer that for 52 years, and the only thing that I can come up with is once the company starts, we're, we're so busy doing the task at hand wow. and getting this done and getting that done that no one says, wait, wait, are we making a profit? Oh. So I consider myself a teacher and a coach about profit. And here's how we go about that. In that first meeting, I tell them, the team is going to come up with our 90-day plan, number one. Number two, I tell them, we're not prepared to try and increase. You see, see, when I sat down with that owner before I buy the company, I asked them, what, what do you think the company needs? Mm -hmm. I've gotten the same, same answer every single time. And more that money? is, all we need is more money. Yeah. You got it. Yes. All we need is more money and to increase our revenue. Well, when you have a dysfunctional company that isn't focusing on profit, that's like putting gas to add money is like putting gas in a container that has a hole in it. So I, you and I could take a broke company this morning mm -hmm. and go in and take a million dollars to spend on marketing. Yeah. We, we have no guarantee that we'll raise revenue one dime. Yeah. But what we, what we can do, and again, I turn this to the team, reduce expenses. And, and do you know in 77 companies, and several of them in excess of $300 million a year in revenue, we have never, ever reduced expenses less than 34%. Mm. And it, I didn't do it. Okay. What, what I've also found throughout the years is the biggest expense to most private companies and all of them that I've taken over is the owner. Yeah. I've taken, I've taken over broke companies that owned a jet, a house in Aspen, a condo in Clearwater, Florida, uh, that the owner and his wife, we're driving each the most expensive Mercedes made and was pulling massive amounts of money to live a lifestyle off of borrowed money. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, so when, when we focus on reducing expenses, when everyone understands how it is that we're going to make profit and the way we do this, and, and I go into detail in the book on this, but we set up a way to measure our business every single day. And it's not complicated. It's common sense. And a lot of people say, well, that won't work. You know, I have, I have, I should be able to copyright the statement. Well, that won't work. <laughs> okay. Because what we do is we sit down and, and most of the time that first day meeting lasts all day and maybe as long as three days where every single employee, every one of them is sitting there 
coming up with helpful ideas as to how we can generate profit. Mm. And, and it's the best time that, that we can spend because that then establishes our plan. And basically, we ask ourselves, how do we make money? Well, if we're a sales organization, then we're selling something. Okay, yep. then let's let's take our budget. We're going to be we're going to work next month, 20 days out of the month. Uh, we need to sell a thousand units. So we get a whiteboard and we draw a line from zero to a thousand. And then on the linear side of that, we put number of units on the horizontal side of that chart. We're going to put days of the month. And each day at the same time, mm -hmm. someone, someone is going to come out and post on that board where we are cumulatively for the month against our goal. Okay? Yeah. And here's what I have found. And, and we will also do expenses, revenue. Some, some of the companies that I've had, we've had as many as six boards. And they're not hidden in my office or the accounting office. They're out in an area where every single employee walks by at least once a day. And they look at that board, and we're either below the goal line or above it. And it's the best silent motivator I have ever used because you don't have to come out and go, hey, we're way behind. They see it. They know it. Okay. Yeah. And each of, each of them is accountable for their job against that. And at the end of each week on Friday afternoon, as a group, everybody, we get together and how did we do against our plan? What came up unexpectedly? Does everyone know what they're doing next week? Mm -hmm. Do you see? Yeah. So, so it, it honestly is a team effort 100%. Hmm. And it works. And it's always worked. Yeah. Now, it sounds to me like I think the main thing here, because you've already said you never bring in new money, you never bring in new people. Um, so it seems to me the main thing is that the leadership is the driving success factor to your turnaround strategy. Is that correct? That is correct. And think about it this way. Uh, what if Tom Brady of the New England Patriots came out onto the football field, got in the huddle and said, snap the ball on three? Every, the other 10 players would go, what's the play? Mm -hmm. What are we doing? I just snapped the ball. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yes, everyone is going to, to take the role. You know, I've heard this said by several famous people and it's so true. Uh, you manage assets and liabilities. You lead people. Mm. Mm. And and for another thing, you, you brought brought back up the, the fact that we don't take new money in. Back in my 20s, uh, I, had, I had just bought a company. Uh, I had gotten uh, a line of credit from a bank. And 
one afternoon I was going to the bank and the chairman of the board of that bank was, was coming across the lobby and he was a good friend of my parents. Uh, and I knew that he wouldn't know about my silly little line of credit, but I went up and thanked him. I said, we got a line of credit and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And he said to me, Bob, I need you to uh, do something for me. And I said, okay. He said, I'll stay out of your business if you stay out of my business. And I laughed and I said, I have no plan of being in the banking business. And he said, but you already are. And I, I was dumbfounded. I said, what do you mean? He said, I looked at your financial statements before you got that line of credit from us you are carrying account receivables on your books. That means you're borrowing money from our bank and loaning it to your customers so that you, they can buy your product. Mm. Guess, guess what, T? He was right. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. He was right. And the thing that small businesses don't understand, let's say you, you and I own a sales company. Yeah. And... We buy products and resell them. So we have a product that costs you and I $800. Mm -hmm. And we sell, we sell it for 1000 So we're going to make $200 profit. Well, we sell that to a company. And we sell it with a payable of net 30 days. Yeah. Meaning they've got to pay us in 30 days. Well, let's just say that the people leave the country or they go bankrupt or whatever. Uh, we not only lost our $200 profit, but we're now just to recoup the $800 we paid for the product. We're going to have to sell four more products wow. just to get back where we were. Okay. Yeah. And I've had company after company say, and, and here's another phrase I need to copyright, but Bob, you don't understand. My business well, is different. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly right. That's, that's the quote. <laughs> and the, the thing about it, I do understand because here's what you can do. You can either require credit cards or you can go to your bank and you can factor those receivables. So you're, you're in my business today, uh, generates accounts receivable of a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand. We've made an arrangement that we send that to our bank. They discount it and they're going to discount it based on the history that we develop of them being able to collect from our customers. Yeah. Okay. They may charge us 5%. So if we generate today a hundred thousand dollars, and they charge us 5%, guess what? We have $95,000 in our bank account today. We don't have to wait. And too many businesses, and I'll, I'll give you a great story, and, and it's almost embarrassing to tell this. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have a good friend who several years ago started a specialized trucking company. And 
about a year ago, he called me. He, he had been in business at that point, I think about three years. He called me. And anytime I'd see him, how are things going? Oh, it couldn't be better. It's great. Uh, he called me and he said, I'm in trouble. Uh, the bank is getting ready to shut me down. And I said, why? He said, well, I've got a line of credit and they've extended it a couple of times, but they're telling me that I'm going to have to put up additional collateral because my line of credit keeps going. So I said, great, send me your financials. Let me look at them. He did. And as soon as I looked, his accounts receivable were unbelievable. Mm. So I called him back the, the number. And of course, that's all I saw on, on his financial was the amount of his account receivables. And so I called him back and I said, send me a aged listing, 30, 60, and 90 days of your accounts receivable. He did. And as soon as I got it, I almost passed out because about 80% of his account receivables were from two of the largest, I, I would say, two of the top 50 largest corporations in this country. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were. And as soon as I saw that, I asked, and, and here, here's another one of those things that we started with where a person's greatest strength is their greatest weakness. This guy is a great salesman, okay? Mm -hmm. But he's not a good negotiator because when he went to these two large companies and asked them, so this, this is where a person's greatest strength also is their greatest weakness. This gentleman is a great, all he was interested, interested in the terms and conditions because he's not familiar with the county. Yeah. So after I looked at that, Chi, I said, here's what you need to do today. Get both of these, get them on the phone and go see them and tell them they're breaking you. You can't afford to do business with them. Mm -hmm. He did that. He called me. He called me back that night. Do you know what they told him? Both of them. He said when he told them that, each company laughed at him and said, we wondered how long you could do this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he took his receivables from 60 days to one week. Wow. And, it, and that, that took care of his problems. So those are the th kinds of things that, you know, I, I wrote this book for one purpose. I have seen so many companies, small and medium-sized companies, fail that should not have. Mm -hmm. So this book, Strengthen Your Business, shows you all the mistakes that I have seen, all the mistakes that I have made, so you don't have to go through the pain of making those same mistakes. Yeah. It's not rocket science. It really isn't rocket science. Mm. But, but you know, you got to keep your eye on the ball. You got to do it for profit. Uh, the, famous, the famous economist 
John Kenneth Galbraith said, without the short run, there is no long run. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. Wow, man, you really covered a lot there. So I think what I just want to get from you now, because I think based on the stories you've shared and the lessons you've already taught thus far, I think people are starting to get it. But I want, to give, I want you to give us like a case study of when you bought a business that was really, really doing terribly bad, but you walked in there and you did the Bob magic and then within a couple of months, things turned around rapidly. Could you walk us through like a story like that showing the different yes. ways you applied all these principles you've already stated and how the business turned around? Because I think that will really, really be essential for people to, to visualize in their minds. I, I think that's a great idea. And, and one uh, particularly comes to mind. It, it was in such horrible shape that the bank actually gave me 30 days to see what I could do before I had to assume the debt. And the debt was many millions of dollars. <clears throat> I've already talked about what we do on day one. I came in on day one and we had our meeting. It lasted all day. I put the team to work on the plan. This company was a large international engineering company. Uh, it did nuclear work all over the world uh, in association with Westinghouse Nuclear Division. Uh, it built oil and gas transmission lines, uh, marine, uh, including three lines crossing the Mediterranean from Algeria to Sicily. This was a huge company and it was totally broke. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I realized very early at the end of my failure of my first business that the owner isn't the only owner. Mm -hmm. the, vendor, the vendors are vested. The customers are vested. The team is vested. So while the team was working on putting the plan together, mm -hmm. that, that company had contracts with uh, a division of ENI, which is the state-owned Italian oil and gas company. Yeah. Uh, they had a contract with Saudi Aramco in Saudi. They had contract with Framaton, the nuclear group in France. So while the team was working on our 90-day plan, I got on the phone and I called the head of the ENI division in Italy, as well as Framatone in Saudi, and told them that I urgently needed to come see them. I took the plan that the team had come up with in one day. I took a list of bankers that I had worked with before, uh, jumped on a plane to Milan, Italy walked into a man's office I had never met, uh, told him in dramatic detail the condition of the company. We were working on a large contract for his company. And I told him that in order to save the company, I needed him to advance us a million dollars. He stared at me, gee, for what seemed like an, an hour. And finally, he, he looked at our 
plan and the list of bankers and the other things that I brought. And he said, what are the odds you can pull this off? I said, if you'll advance us the money, uh, 100%. And he picked up the phone, asked me if I had wiring instructions for our bank. And within 15 minutes of walking in his office, he had wired a million dollars to our bank account. Uh, I then went to France, uh, got another advance from Framatone, went to Saudi, got the third advance, came back, took over the debt of the company. Uh, we came up with a great plan. Uh, we were able to pull it off. Uh, I owned that company for seven, eight years. Yeah. Uh, and ended up selling it to a very large public company in Houston, Texas. So there, there's an example where the team uh, put together the plan, we worked the plan, uh, we didn't do it alone, we involved our uh, customers. Mm -hmm. I, also, I also went, because obviously uh, this, this company bought millions of dollars a year uh, of equipment to to put into the systems that we were manufacturing and I went to those suppliers uh, one at a time in person and created new deals a lot of things that they were keeping in inventory the uh, supplier agreed to warehouse those and let us buy them on an as-needed basis so Number other suppliers agreed to go from 30-day payments to 60-day payments to help us and added 30 days to our cash flow. Uh, so it's it's never I've never gone into a company Chi, that that it was one or two things. It's lots and lots of little things. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And now I think the big thing that I want to talk about now is recession. Because you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you know when your when you launched your first company, it was around the time that the recession came through, that you faced challenges and you were never able to recover. And um, whether you want to believe it or not, it seems like most parts of the world are kind of still experiencing a recessionary type feel in terms of the general economy. So given for example, the whole economy is against you. It's a systematic thing. Things are down. People don't have as much spending power. Things just feel kind of slow. How would you advise um, small business owners to to operate their business in a down market? Okay. Well, uh, let me let me back up and say this. One one of the things that I bring up on that day one meeting is look, uh, the reason I've found that business owners who fail have not shared financial information with their uh, employees is one, they think if it gets bad, like in a recession, their employees leave. And as I told you, I've never had anyone leave. And two, they think that if the company starts making really good profit, everyone will want to raise. Mm -hmm. So again, at the beginning, I explained to the team, look, as we start making more money, we're going to recession-proof this company, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to create a cash reserve. So don't expect 
big raises. And as a matter of fact, gee, I don't give raises in our company. Raises mortgage your future. I, I, give, I give bonuses. You've already made that money. It's the end of the year. You and I both know how much money the company's made. Mm -hmm. We're going to take some of that. We're going to put it in our cash reserve. Mm -hmm. We may take some, some of it to add to our marketing plan. And then we're going to give bonuses based on people's performance. Mm -hmm. Now, when the year when next year starts, guess what? Our overhead is exactly the same. Mm. Okay. So, Wait, but, doing, but Bob, could I interject yes, here? Yes. But would have haven't you had the ex experience where people would complain saying, "Oh, you know, cost of goods have gone higher, and yet my salary is still the same. If I'm not getting what I'm worth or an increase this year, then I'll move to another company that'll that'll give me that added pay bump." I, I've never had that problem because okay. our people, once everybody's on board with, with what we're doing, Chief, typically, typically over the years, if you figure that bonus at the end of the year, it has averaged between 15 and 18% of their pay. Now, oh. I don't know of many people that get a raise of 15 or 18 percent a year do you none none but but guess what come january 1st our overhead is precisely the same yeah bonuses don't mortgage your future yeah. raises do okay yeah. great so so back to your back to your question so at the beginning we start working towards recession proofing our business but at the time we get hit with one, we've already discussed that. It's the beauty of small and medium-sized businesses. Yeah. We can turn we can turn on a dime. Okay? Yeah. So so you know it's it's no different it's no different than than a hotel or a high-rise building having an evacuation plan. We've already got our plan in place of what we will do to lessen our exposure during a recession. Okay. And and so you you need to plan for that. I, I'll mention one other thing to you as, as it pertains to recession. You would think that with my business being the buying of broke businesses, failed businesses, mm -hmm. you would think that all of those businesses would have been in decline. Yeah. Every Every single one of them was in a growth mode. Okay? And, and I explain it this way to banks. Let's just say that you and I got in a Ferrari at the bottom of a mountain this morning. There is no doubt in my mind whether you or I were driving that powerful Ferrari that we could make it just fine up that mountain going 20 miles an hour. Yeah. Okay? Now, let's try going up that mountain chi at 170. And that is exactly what happens to startups and businesses of any age. They're not prepared for growth. They don't have their finances in order. Their efficiencies are not in order. So a lot of these businesses are going to fail in a recession 
pure and simply because they haven't done the things you and I have talked about this morning yeah. as, as they go through time. They've gotten fat and lazy, hmm. okay? Hmm. That's, that's powerful stuff and uh, real powerful stuff. So, Bob, um, we're coming on the top of the hour, and I know we've really talked a lot about this, and we could continue talking some more. But I just want to ask you a couple personal questions, and then I'll switch it over to to let you go do what you need to do. So, okay. tell us a time when you had a really, really difficult failure and how did you overcome it i know you mentioned the failure of your business but even while you were turning around these businesses over time have you experienced a particularly gut-wrenching failure and how did you overcome come it you know um uh, i i i guess that that is such a a great question and i really appreciate you asking it because i i think this i think that that my mother raised us four children on uh, a poem uh, that, that I've never been able to discover the author of. But the poem is, life's battles won't always go to the stronger or faster man. In the end, the one who wins is the one who thinks he can. Mm. I made a vow to myself after I failed uh, that I would never let it happen again, mm. that, that I was going to be mentally strong enough to overcome whatever was in front of me. And, and I say that to say this to you, I think that so many things in life, if you're prepared for them, if you know you're going to get knocked down, uh, and you prepare yourself to get back up, mm -hmm. then, then yes, you're exactly right. All of these turnarounds have had uh, some very difficult times. There have been a number of times that the bank that I was working with, uh, for whatever reason, would get nervous, and and their special assets people would say, well, we're, we're just going to, we're going to shut you down. Uh, this isn't moving as fast as we want it to. We're going to shut you down. You know, bankers bank, bankers want you to tell them what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. They don't want the truth. They want, they want you to tell them what they want to hear because their superior is riding them. So there have been, there have been times uh, when I've taken the, the company I was speaking to you earlier about the international engineering company had the day I took it over had over $900,000 worth of accounts payable. All of them were very past due. Wow. And I went to see those companies to work out something. And there were several of them on day one, uh, that said, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to throw you into involuntary bankruptcy. And I kept going back. One, one gentleman, I went the first day when I walked into his office, he said, did you bring me a check? I said, no. He said, I'm going to throw your company into 
involuntary bankruptcy and I want you to leave my office. Uh, I came back the second day. He let me start for a couple of minutes explaining our plan, asked me to leave again. The third and fourth day, he refused to see me. Uh, the fifth day, I was waiting in his parking lot when he got there, and I begged him for five minutes. And he said, you're the most determined SOB I've ever seen. Come on in. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, so yes, they, you know, that goes back to where you and I started talking businesses. And, and I really appreciate you reading the book and being so familiar so that you could ask great questions, which you have, but it goes back to the fact it's, it's a battle. It's, and it's supposed to be hell. If it were easy, you and I would have more money <laughs> than Bill Gates. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a battle. And you have to win that battle in your mind in the beginning. You've got to tell yourself, I know it's going to be hard. I know I'm going to get knocked down. Uh, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep going. Hmm. And that overcomes an awful lot of battles in life, whether it's business or otherwise. Hmm. Great. And with that said, I think we'll just leave it there because that's um, self-explanatory. So, so, Bob, where can people find you and learn more about you and buy the book? Well, you can buy the book on Amazon. Uh, the, the book is Strengthen Your Business. Uh, they can reach me at our website, Robert Thomas Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L dot com. And I can't tell you how much I, I've done a number of radio shows uh, since the book came. The book's only been out a week. And I've already done a television show and a number of radio shows and several uh, podcasts. This is by far uh, the most enjoyable and uh, the best questions I've had thrown at me. And I certainly appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you for that, Bob. I really appreciate you uh, and your compliments. I thank you for coming to share your words of wisdom and Look forward to reading more cool stuff from you and learning about more about your story and your stories in business and in life. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And please have me back anytime. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.